Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right, well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. Today, we're wrapping up uh, this series that we've been in called What's In It For Me. And today, we're going to talk about how we can be the type of person that God can use, all right? So we started two weeks ago, and we talked about how we can be the kind of person that God can bless, and we talked about what that looks like. And last week, we talked about how to be uh, a kind of person that God can uh, lead, and today, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about how we can be people that God can use. And here's why this is so important, because God created you for more than just to exist, all right? You were created for more than to exist. You were created for more than to to just go day by day. You were created for more than to to build a giant retirement account. You were created uh, for more than than to work a job, more than to to build a business, to just consume as much as you can. You were created uh, for more to contribute to the economy. There's so much more to life than that. God has a unique calling and purpose for every single life. And it doesn't matter how your, your life is being lived. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're working in a factory, if you're teaching. It doesn't matter if you're retired. Regardless of the situation of life that you're in today, God has something that he wants to do in and through your life. All right, we know that God wants to do something in us. And after he does that work in us, we also know that he wants to do something through our lives. And deep down, we all have this this calling, this purpose, this pull to do something for God. Deep inside of us, we know that God wants to use us to do something, but sometimes we just push that down, right? We just push that down as far as we can push it, and we say, well, I don't really think that God can use me, all right? I don't feel like I'm the right person. Other times we, we put it on the back burner. We say, yeah, I'm gonna do that, that thing that God called me to do, but I'm gonna do it later. There's too much going on right now. But every one of us, there's something that pulls us. There's something that calls us to action. There's a calling, a purpose inside of us that God created us to do something, that he created us to, to make a difference. But here's the thing. Many people never pursue God's purpose for their lives because they don't feel like they're the type of person God can use, right? Happens all the time. We have this calling. Sometimes we know without a doubt what it is. Sometimes we spend years searching for it. We have these things that come to us, these these times where we know God is calling us to do something, but we think, well, God's not gonna use me, right? I'm not the type of person that he can use. I see this all the time in ministry, People have a heart for something. They have an interest in doing something for God, whether it's starting something or or serving something that's already started. And God gave them this heart. He gave them this calling, this purpose. But we shy away from the opportunities that God gives us because we don't feel like we're the type of person he can use, all right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I've felt that way many times. There have been so many moments in my life where I felt God calling me, wanting to use me for something, and I just shove it aside and say, I don't think you can use me for that. Do you know that I'm not good at that, right? Do you know 
about my past? Do you know what's happening in my life right now? Do you really think I'm the kind of person you wanna use for that? If that's your story, let me just tell you, you're not the only one, all right? In fact, there are several, several stories just like that in scripture. Think about Moses. God calls Moses to lead the nation of Israel. What a job, right? God calls Moses to, to do something great. He wants to use Moses. And what is Moses' first response when God calls him to lead the nation of Israel? He says, I don't know if the people are gonna believe that you sent me, right? So God begins to work that out and he clears that up for Moses. And then Moses says, well, I don't know if you know this or not, God, but I have a speech impediment. I have a stuttering problem. I don't think you can use me this way. As if God wasn't already aware of that, right? So sometimes God calls us and we just do what Moses did and we try to talk God out of using us. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there. And what happens is this, the enemy knows that he can destroy your influence and the impact that you can have if he can convince you that God can't use you. And that's exactly what he does. And the problem for a lot of us is that our view of who God can use has been shaped by culture instead of what God says. In other words, some of you have had the world define your value for you rather than having it defined by God. And it's crippled your effectiveness because you've embraced the world's idea of what it means to be usable. You've embraced what the world says about a person that God can use. And the world is looking for someone who's talented, right? The world's looking for someone who can leap tall buildings in a single bound. But if we allow God to shape our view of who he can use, it looks a lot different. And here's what I want you to understand today. God's metric for a usable person is very different than the world's. All right, and we're gonna look at the life of David today to illustrate this for us. If you have your Bibles, turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as we go there, I'm gonna give you a little bit of context for what we're about to walk into today. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, God is getting ready to anoint a new king for Israel, all right? The previous king was disobedient, so God was getting ready to call a new king. And so what he does is he sends the prophet Samuel to go out and find the new king and anoint him, all right? First Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse six. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. He's already figured it out, right? But what does God say? He says, don't look at his appearance. Don't look at his stature because I have rejected him, all right? It says, humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart, all right? So Jesse called Benadab and presented him to Samuel. God says, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. So Jesse presents Shammah, but Samuel says, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So after Jesse presented seven of his sons, Samuel told him, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. So Samuel says, are there any others? Is this all you have? Are there any boys we can take a look at, right? Excuse me. Yo, I've been sick for like two weeks. My wife says I have a man cold. <laughs> it's the worst sickness 
known to man, all right? (laughs) Jesse presents seven sons. Samuel says, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Are there any others? Are these all the sons that you have? And he says, well, there's still the young one, right? He's out there tending the sheep. Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sends for him. The Bible says he had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. And the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of the brothers and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward, all right? The part that I really want us to pay attention to today is the beginning of the passage in verse seven. This is what it says. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, all right? Remember, he's choosing the next king of Israel. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Here's the key right here. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Here's what I want you to see today. God's metric for a usable person is vastly different than the world's, all right? They're completely different. God says, I'm not concerned with the physical. I'm not concerned with the wealth. I'm not concerned with the stature, the strength, the ability, the talent. God says, I'm concerned with one thing, and that's the heart, all right? So the question that I want us to ask ourselves today is this, how do we become people who have a heart that God can use? And when we read about David, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. And I believe that that's why God used him. I believe that that's why God used David to do amazing things, because he shared God's heart. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person that I want to be. That's the kind of church that I want us to be. We need to be a church full of people who say, I'm going to be a person after God's own heart. So what was so special about David's heart? First Samuel chapter 16 doesn't give us a very full picture of his heart, but we're gonna look at his life all throughout scripture and get a better picture of his heart. So I wanna highlight a few moments in the life of David where we see his heart for God, and we're gonna have a few points today. The first one is this. People who have a heart that God can use are people who rely on his power, all right? we're gonna find in the life of David that people who have a heart that God can use are people who rely on his power instead of those who think they have it all together, all right? Which is in direct contrast to what the world teaches us, right? The world tries to convince us that people who are usable are the people who have it all together or at least act like they do. And what this does is it creates a society full of a bunch of fake people who have this rough and tough outward shell but are terrified on the inside, right? You know somebody like that? They're rough on the outside. They might introduce themselves to you and say, I'm rough around the edges because they're under the impression that if they're gonna be used by God, they've gotta be rough, they've gotta be tough, they've gotta have it all together. And that mentality works its way into the church and we end up with a church full of fake people who walk around saying, yeah, everything's good in my world, right? I've got this, I'm fine, God can use me, amen, glory to God, but that's not it. 
That's not who God wants to use. What we see over and over again in the life of David is that David realizes that he can't do very much on his own, but that God can do a lot through him, all right? If we turn the page to chapter 17, David's getting ready to fight Goliath. And I love this speech that he gives as he steps out onto the battlefield in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword a spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel, and you have defied him. Today, David says, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I will strike you down, remove your head and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then, all the world will know that Israel has a God and this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. I love this speech. Notice what David doesn't say. He doesn't step out and say, I've got this, right? He doesn't step out and say, hey, this is my fight. He doesn't step out and say, I'm about to take you down. He says, today, the Lord will hand you over to me. This is the Lord's battle. He's going to win. He's going to conquer. David says, it's not about me. It's about God working through me, all right? David isn't resting in his own ability. He's resting in God's ability. And when we rest in our own ability, what we end up with is pride. And pride shows up in a couple different ways. One, I think, Pride gives us an overconfidence in ourselves. It gives us too much confidence in ourselves. It gives us confidence in who we are. It makes us think that everything depends on us, right? It makes us think that we're awesome. And if you think you're pretty awesome, that's great for you. But let me just tell you, you're in for a rude awakening because you're not nearly as awesome as you think you are, all right? But God is awesome. And if we rely on his power, it's gonna be all right. So pride, it gives us an overconfidence in ourselves. I think it also gives us an overestimation of our abilities. It makes us put our hope in what we can do. And the problem with that is we're not all that powerful. But when we understand that it's not about us and when we stop relying on our own power and instead rely on God's power, that's when things begin to change, all right? See, God's not looking for people who have it all together. He's looking for people who are willing to depend on him, all right? One of my favorite verses, 2 Chronicles 16, verse nine, says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for hearts that are fully committed to him. He's looking for people who are fully dependent on him. That's the type of person he can use, all right? Think about the people he chose to use in scripture. They didn't have it all together, right? Think about Peter. Peter had some issues. He didn't have it all figured out. He had some real problems. Excuse me, man. Relying on uh, God's power today. But once Peter 
committed to Jesus, God used him to build the church, right? Peter wasn't perfect, but he loved Jesus. God is looking for a heart that says, I don't have this all figured out, but I know that you do. So I'm gonna depend on you, I'm gonna trust in you, and I'm going to rely on your power. The enemy tries to convince us that we can't be used by God because we don't have enough to offer. And a lot of us probably feel the weight of that, right? We don't want everyone to think that we're weak, so we put on this armor, this tough exterior. It's called imposter syndrome. And this is the idea that we have this strong, tough, outward appearance, but on the inside, we feel like we're imposters. And I feel that we often feel that way in the church, right? We put on this hard exterior, but if people really knew what was happening on the inside, right? If people really knew who I was, they wouldn't let God use me. But again, God's not looking for someone with an excellent resume. He's not looking for someone who has it all together. He's not looking for someone who always knows what to say. He's looking for people who are willing to surrender to him and trust in his power, all right? As a pastor, I do a lot of counseling. And sometimes I sit and I'm like, I don't know what to say to this person, right? And I just begin to pray and God literally speaks it gives me words to say. And sometimes I sit back and I'm like, wow, that was really good. Where was that when I was going through that, <laughs> right? Our hearts need to be willing to depend on him. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I'm just not the type of person God can use. Listen, it's not about how great you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how holy you are. It's not about how talented you are. It's about being willing, willing to say, God, I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I'm trusting in you willing to say, God, I feel that you're calling me to do this, so I'm gonna take a step of faith. Willing to say, I don't have the right words to say, but I believe that you're going to give them to me. All right. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you aren't usable because you don't have the right qualifications. Think about Moses. Again, God called him to lead the nation of Israel. He says, but God, I have a speech impediment. They're not gonna understand me. They're not gonna believe me. How often do we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives? Because we say, but God, right? When all along, he's saying, you're the exact person that I wanna use. If he puts a calling inside of you, he's going to empower you to do it. Remember, he's not mean, He's not gonna call you to do something that's physically impossible for you to do. He's not gonna call you to do something and then be like, psych, you can't do it, right? That's not who God is. He's not trying to play a mean trick on you. He's going to equip you and empower you every step of the way as you depend on him and rely on his power. Here's what it boils down to. Do I trust God or not, all right? Hebrews chapter 11 is fantastic. It's this really cool list of all of these incredible things that people were able to do because of their faith. And I love what it says about Abraham. It says, God called Abraham to go, so he went. That's what it says. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going to end up, but God called him to go, so he went because he trusted God. And that's the kind of person that God calls us to be. Having a heart that God can use, it's not about your abilities. It's about your willingness 
to rely on his power. Amen? Now let me clarify something. We have to balance this out a little bit and understand that relying on God's power is not an excuse to be lazy. Relying on God's power doesn't mean that we sit back and kick our feet up and say, God's gonna handle this. It's gonna be good. I'm relying on his power. No, God still wants you to get up and go, all right? He wants you to give it your all. We still have to exercise our abilities. We still have to work on our strengths. We still have to try, but we know that when we fall short, God's going to make up the difference. I love this saying, it's this, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. And I think that's how we should approach every situation. I'm going to do everything that I can do and I'm gonna trust God to do everything that I cannot do. He'll make up the difference. There's a healthy balance between relying on his power and being good stewards of the gifts and the opportunities that he gives us, all right? Here's the second thing we learn about David's heart for God. People who have a heart that God can use are people who are faithful where they're planted. Being a person that God can use isn't about your ability. It's about your faithfulness because God's not worried about your abilities. He's worried about your heart, all right? Remember, he doesn't look at what is visible. He looks at the heart. He's not worried about your ability. He's worried about your heart. He's not going to equip you and empower you to do great things if your heart is in the wrong place, all right? Remember verse seven. Do not look at his appearance. Do not look at his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees for humans see what is visible, but God sees the heart. People who have a heart that God can use are people who are faithful with what he's given them. They're faithful where they're planted because if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with more. And if you're dishonest with little, you'll be dishonest with much. But if you're faithful where you are, God will bless you with greater opportunities. Now, I preached an entire sermon three weeks ago on faithfulness. So I'm not gonna repeat everything I said, but I will say this. God cares much more about your faithfulness than he does about your abilities, which should give us hope, right? Because there's a lot about our abilities that we can't control. Have you figured that out yet? There's a lot of physical things about your abilities that you simply cannot control. But one thing you can control is your faithfulness. God's not looking for the most talented people. He's looking for the most faithful people. He's looking for people who are faithful where they're planted. David, when Samuel shows up on behalf of God Almighty to find the next king of Israel, what was David doing? He was tending the sheep. If you've worked with animals, you probably know what that means, all right? He was cleaning up their mess, right? This wasn't a glorious job, but David was faithful with the sheep, with the small things. So God used him for something greater. He was faithful in the field before he was ever faithful in the palace. So let me take some pressure off of you this morning. Don't be concerned with, with where God is going to take you in the future. 
Be concerned about being faithful where he has you right now because he has you there for a reason, all right? Colossians chapter three, verse 23, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea here is that wherever you're planted, wherever you're at, until God moves you, until he calls you to the next thing, we need to be faithful where we are. And here's the reason why. Because with God, no season is wasted. All right. You might feel like you're in the middle of a, of a wasted season. You might be thinking, God, I don't get this. Why do you have me in this place? I don't understand this. This is not where I wanna be. Why do you have me here? Listen, God has a purpose for the season of life that you're in. And your only job is to be faithful in it. That's it. People who have a heart that God can, can use are people who are faithful where they're planted. They're faithful with what he's given them. And here's the last one. This is a big one. People who have a heart that God can use are people who trust in his timing. This is the most difficult one for all of us. All right. Being a person that God can use means that we aren't going to try to short circuit his plan for our lives. The world tries to tell us that the most successful people, the people who accomplish the most, the people who are willing to do whatever it takes, those are the people God wants to use, all right? But really, if you look at scripture, God uses people who rely on his power, who are faithful where they're planted, and who trust wholeheartedly in his timing. And we see this in the life of David. He was willing to wait on God, all right? The Bible illustrates this contrast between Saul and David. Saul was the previous king. And there was a moment when the prophet Samuel came to Saul and Samuel was getting ready to leave. He was getting ready to go somewhere, we don't know where. And he asked Saul, to wait patiently for him to return. And he says, when I come back, we're gonna make a sacrifice together and then we're gonna move forward and we're gonna take this land, we're gonna occupy it. He says, when I come back, that's what's gonna happen. And Samuel takes off and Saul begins to wait. And Samuel doesn't tell him how long it's gonna take. So Saul waits one day, two days. How many of you love waiting, right? Three days, and he gets a little impatient. Four days go by, five days, six days. And on the seventh day, didn't even make it a week. Seventh day, he starts to think, I'm ready to take this land. I don't think this is gonna work the way God told Samuel it's gonna work. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make the sacrifice and we're gonna take this land. And in that moment, Samuel shows up and here's what he says to Saul. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel, but now you're done. <laughs> now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart 
and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. In other words, here's what Samuel says to Saul. You don't have a heart that God can use because you chose to not trust in his perfect timing. He tried to rush God's plan. He tried to short circuit God's plan, but David didn't do that. He trusted in God's perfect timing. Even when the temptation to short circuit God's plan was probably pretty enticing, David trusted in God's plan instead. I wanna give you a few examples of this, all right? If we think about David's life like a timeline, all right? There are a couple examples, things that I wanna point out. If you think back, David was anointed to be the next king of Israel long before he ever actually became king, right? So there was this big gap between David's anointing to be king and when he actually became king of Israel. And a lot happened in these years, all right? So if David was anointed to be king, something that happens pretty soon after that is he goes to take on Goliath, all right? And he's a young shepherd boy, And he goes out to defeat this giant named Goliath. And it's an amazing moment, right? The people of Israel literally go into the streets and they start singing, Saul has slain thousands, but David has slain tens of thousands. And at this point, David knows that he's gonna be the next king of Israel. Don't you think it would have been easy for him to go out into the streets with all of those people singing his praises and take the throne from Saul? But David didn't try to do that. He didn't try to short circuit God's plan. He trusted in God's timing. A little while later, there's another moment and Saul turns on David and David was banished. Saul wanted him dead. He wanted to destroy David. And in that moment, a lot of the Israelites still liked David more than Saul. David could have risen up an army. He could have taken Saul out. But in that moment, David didn't try to short circuit God's plan. He trusted in God's timing. A little while later, David's living out in the desert by himself. He was called to live in a palace with good food. And he's in the desert, stranded all alone. And in that moment, he didn't think, I'm supposed to be the king of Israel. I'm gonna short circuit God's plan and make my way to the throne. He trusted in God's timing. And then Saul goes to hunt him down personally. I'm gonna kill David. So what does David do? He hides in a cave. And there's this moment where Saul enters the cave and David could have killed him right there, right? David could have taken him out and walked out of the cave as the new king of Israel, but David didn't. He didn't try to short circuit God's plan. He trusted in God's timing. Those events that I just described to you took place over the course of 15 years years, 15 years of waiting. And at no point did David try to short circuit God's plan for his life. At no point did David try to rush it and take matters into his own hands. He simply trusted in God's perfect timing at every step of the way. And I think about my own life. There have been plenty of moments I felt like God was calling me to do something, but it didn't happen right away. And those are difficult seasons. 
Those are discouraging seasons. Have you ever been in a long season of waiting and you're you're wondering, God, what are you even doing right now? Are you even doing anything? Have you ever asked God that? Have you ever been waiting on God and you're like, are you even doing anything? I thought you were, but now I'm not so sure, right? Maybe you're in one of those waiting seasons of life right now. Here's the advice that I would give you. Rely on his power, be faithful where you're planted and trust in his perfect timing. He's going to use you. There have been several moments in my life where I've been in the middle of waiting and I've tried to make things happen my own way. And when I look back now, I realize that God was working in the background, even while I was waiting, even while I was wondering, God, are you doing anything? He was doing something in me. He was preparing me. He was growing me. He was shaping me. He was challenging me. And looking back now, I realize that if he would have given it to me when I wanted him to, I probably wouldn't still have it today because my heart wasn't ready for it, right? Didn't have the right heart. But when we rely on his power and when we're faithful where we're planted and when we're trusting in his perfect timing, it all begins to work out. One of my favorite places to visit is Colorado. It's a special place to me. Kristen, I love visiting Colorado. And one of the things I've noticed as we go up into the Rocky Mountains, it's beautiful, When you're driving down the highway, you see all these mountains and there's this line in them. It's perfectly straight line that nothing grows above. You know what I'm talking about? You reach a certain elevation and nothing can grow up there anymore. But when you're below that line, there are these thick, dense forests with these tall trees, pine trees, aspen trees. It's beautiful. But it's in the valleys between the mountains that things really begin to grow. And our lives work just like that. We want everything to be a mountaintop, right? We wanna walk with God and just hop from mountaintop to mountaintop, having a great time, everything's good. But it's usually in the valleys that we grow the most. And as I look back on the valleys that I've walked through in my life, as much as I've hated all of them, right? I look back today and I'm thankful for every valley because I can confidently say that I wouldn't be where I am today and God wouldn't be using me the way he is today if it weren't for those valleys. And I wanna encourage you with that. You might be in the middle of a long valley season of life. You might be in such a deep valley that when you look back, you don't even see the mountaintop that you were on before. Listen, trust in his plan. Don't try to sprint through the valley. Don't try to short circuit it. Trust him to carry out his plan and his timing. You're not in a valley because God's mean. You're in a valley because he loves you. You're in a valley because he's doing something in your life. You're in a valley because he's working on your heart. You're in a valley because there's a puzzle that you don't see. And he is carefully putting every piece exactly where it belongs. And when you get to the other side and you climb up on that mountain with God, you're gonna look back. And what you're gonna see is a completed puzzle. You're gonna look back at the valley 
and you're gonna see this forest of trees. You're gonna see all of this growth and you're going to understand it. Trust in his plan and his timing. Maybe you feel like God just can't use you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not qualified enough. Listen, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He looks for people who are going to rely on his power instead of their own abilities. He's looking for people who are faithful where they're planted. He's looking for people who are going to have unwavering trust in his perfect timing. And if that's where your heart is, God can do amazing things in your life. Because there's a God-given desire in each and every one of us. We wanna do something amazing for God. We wanna change the world for the kingdom. He wants to use us and we want him to use us and we're relying on his power and when we're faithful where, where he has us and when we're perfectly trusting in his timing without wavering and trying to take things into our own hands, that's what makes us the kind of person that God can use. It's not about your ability. It's not about your talent. It's not about your wisdom. So stop trying to write a resume and just look to God. Stop basing your ability to be used by God on the standards that the world is trying to put on you because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Maybe you're thinking, great, but my heart's in a very bad place. My heart's not in the right place today. If that's you, I've got good news for you. We serve a God of redemption. We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God who took a guy named Saul who killed Christians and used him to write some of the most powerful books of the Bible, right? We serve a God who took Abraham, who came from a pagan family and made him the father of our faith. We serve a God who took Rahab, a prostitute, and placed her in the lineage of Jesus. That's the God we serve. So you can make a decision today that says my heart needs to change. I'm gonna stop relying on my own power. I'm gonna stop relying on my own abilities. I'm gonna be faithful where I'm planted. I'm gonna stop trying to short circuit God's plan for my life and I'm going to trust in him. Make that decision today. Look at David. He was far from perfect. He fell from grace many times. He made plenty of mistakes. Read the Psalms, they'll tell you. There are countless examples in the Psalms of times where David was crying out to God saying, I blew it, I messed up, I made a mistake and I need you to come save me, right? And he did. And Peter followed Jesus and then he turned to his flesh but he came back and he was restored and God used him mightily. We serve a God who says, I see your failures, but they don't make you a failure because I'm a God of redemption. I'm a God of resurrection. I'm a God of second chances and he wants to redeem us. All right. Let's allow him to do a powerful work in our hearts so that he can use us in mighty ways for his kingdom, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you that your ability to use us 
isn't rooted in our abilities. We thank you that it isn't rooted in our talents. We thank you that it isn't rooted in our skills. And we invite you today, Father, to do a powerful work in our hearts. We want to rely on your power instead of our own strength. We want to be faithful where we're planted. We know that you have us here for a reason. We thank you that you have a purpose and a reason for every season of our lives. So help us to be faithful where we're at. And help us to fully trust in your perfect timing. God, we don't want to take matters into our own hands. We don't want to try to make it work on our own. We don't want to rush your plan. We don't want to short circuit what you're doing in our lives. So help us to trust in your timing. And for those of us here today, God, who are in a season of waiting, we pray that you would give us hope for what's on the other side. Help us to grow in this valley season. Do a powerful work in our lives so that when we get to the other side, we can look back and see your faithfulness. God, we thank you that no season is wasted. Help us to use this moment in our lives to grow closer to you. And we pray, Father, that as we work these things out in our hearts, that as we align our lives with your purpose, God, we pray that you would use us. Have your way in our lives. Carry out your perfect plans for us. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just another moment today. Maybe you're here in this place. Maybe you're watching online. And you're at a place this morning where your heart is just rough. Maybe that rough and tough you've put on the outside has grown into your heart. You're at a place where you need God's redemption today. Listen, that's possible for you to have because of the message of the gospel. And it tells us that Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not live because we all fall short. We're all broken. We're all imperfect and sinful, but Jesus lived the life that we could not live. And he died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of our sin is death. And we were destined to pay that debt, but Jesus stepped in and he took our place on the cross, dying the death that we deserve to die. And then he rose from the dead to give us new life. And the Bible says, if you call on his name, he will save you. So if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me this morning, church. Let's make this our prayer together today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.